It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Jackson Gatlin here, host of the Monday edition Locked On NBA podcast. Every Monday, I cover the three biggest stories in the NBA with the local experts from Locked On. It's an awesome recap of the weekend of the NBA and a look at what's ahead. Mark your calendars on Monday to join me for Locked On NBA podcast, available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. Jalen Williams is going to play in Summer League. Why is that important? Plus, who's going to be the second best player on next year's roster? All this and more on today's mailbag episode of Locked On Thunder. You are Locked On Thunder, your daily Oklahoma City Thunder podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Let's get it going on the Lockdown Thunder Podcast on the Lockdown Podcast Network, your team every day. I am your host, media member, and editor-in-chief over at thunderousintentions.com, Ryland Styles. You can follow me on Twitter at Ryland underscore Styles. Follow the show on Twitter at LOThunderPod. Email the show, LOThunderPod at gmail.com. On today's show, brought to you by our good friends over at Bird Dogs. We're going to dive into a mailbag podcast. Everything you need to know about this team that you've asked. You're going to get answered from trade packages to J-Dub playing in summer league. Will Dawkins leaving another question about that? Even of a personal question, I'm going to give you my top five favorite albums of all time. Believe it or not, someone was interested in that. Today's show, of course, is brought to you by our good friends over at Bird Dog. Check them out. They have fantastic, fantastic. Fantastic shorts and even introducing polo shorts as well. We're going to tell you how to get a free Yeti cooler style bird dogs cup later on in the show. Jalen Williams announced he is playing in summer league. He is at least going to play in the Salt Lake city portion, which will be July 3rd through the 6th. Remember that is how Josh Giddy started out last summer as only in the Salt Lake city portion He, of course, played some in Vegas because he wanted to play with Chet Holmgren and begged Sam Presti to play with Chet Holmgren uh, more in the Vegas version. But we at least know right from Jalen Williams that he will be playing July 3rd through the 6th in Salt Lake City in the Summer League. This is something that got Josh Giddy a ton of respect last year from people around the NBA, including Doc Rivers, who publicly said how much that that kind of showed Josh Giddy's ability and kind of attitude and everything else. Jalen Williams made a joke that he wants to try his new hairstyle on the court. So it appears that the new hairstyle is here to stay uh, on the court, at least for now. He'll try it out in the summer league. Maybe he'll go back by the time October rolls around. Who knows? But this is, I believe it was on an ESPN interview and our our good friend, Daniel Bell heard it. He's out there covering the finals right now uh, and and then relayed it on Twitter. At least I've I've seen it on Daniel Bell's Twitter. Uh, That's all I've seen it on. But I think he also told, he also told ESPN Nonetheless, though, Jalen Williams, Santa Clara Jalen Williams, is going to play in Summer League. This is going to be an extremely fun Summer League. Sam Presti's exit interview made it appear as though Chet Holmgren will play in Summer League. We'll get clarification on that at the draft introductory press conference. Um, And Usman Jang, obviously, will play in Summer League. Uh, He kind of said that himself at his exit interview. Jay Will will likely play in Summer League as well. And then you're going to have 
you know, whatever the first round pick ends up being, pick 37, pick 50, it'll be a really fun summer league roster for OKC, especially for that first leg of it in Salt Lake City. So that's just a little bit of news off the top. Now, let's get into your mailbag questions on today's show. Metajohn says, is there any rule against executives leaving one team for another right before the draft? Uh, the Wizards now have OKC's plan, so I'm just wondering. Uh, obviously, there's no rule against it because it just happened with Will Talkings going to um, Washington uh, here the other day. Now, I wouldn't be concerned with the fact that the Wizards know, you know who the Thunder like and, and, and what prospect they might be targeting and anything else. Uh, I'm sure that that's great to know. I don't think that it really matters all that much uh, in, the, in the grand scheme of things. What I would find the most interesting, and just to um, you know, kind of put it out there, we don't really know the exact timeline on all this, right? Like they could have known that Will Dawkins was leaving the second that, that Mike Winger was hired in Washington and then kind of it just, it just didn't trickle out until later on. But whatever the case is, I think it's safe to assume, and again, this is an assumption, but it's safe to assume that Will Dawkins being you know, the president of basketball operations, um, working with Sam and, and, and Rob Hennigan, I think it's safe to assume that he knows which of these future first round picks the Thunder like and which of them the Thunder are willing to part with and why they're willing to part with them. And so I think that that can make trade talks interesting. Um, you could argue it can make them more seamless. There's less of the kind of runaround, but it could also make them very hard because there's a reason why you would prefer to trade other picks. And if, and if your opposition knows that and, and they want to use it to counter against you, it can make trade talks um, kind of die down quickly uh, if they kind of know what, what you're looking at in terms of future first round picks and, and which ones you want and don't want. So we'll see if that matters. I, I wouldn't be concerned about the Wizards knowing which prospects OKC likes. Um, I, I don't think that that really matters, but I would find the trade aspect of it very, very interesting. So I hope that answers your question. It's not, there's no rule against it. And I, I wouldn't be too concerned about it in general. I think that, the, I think that by the time we get to the draft, we'll kind of have forgotten about this story. But as I say, yesterday in the show uh, on, on Wednesday's podcast, very excited for Will Dawkins. I think that he deserves it. I love that Wizards new front office. And I think that it'll do great things in Washington. Uh, Evan ETM, what team would be the worst possible landing spot for Chris Paul? I want to take a brief pause and say, please, uh, go to at Ebony team on Twitter, uh, look over his, his Twitter history and donate to his GoFundMe. If you're able to, uh, he was in a tragic accident, really needs uh, our help. Uh, it's, it's going to be a, a road to recovery, but we're all behind Ebony team. Great guy. You've heard him on this podcast before. I'm asking questions and every other podcast and community out there for the thunder. Uh, he's a really active member in the thunder community. So please uh, go check out his GoFundMe. Uh, at of an ETM on Twitter. Um, and, and you can read about what happened to him over the weekend as always praying and, and, and we're supporting of an ETM in this journey, but reports are from Shams, Woj, Haynes, all the names that the, that the Suns are going to wave Chris Paul. Now the reporting was kind of conflicting each other a little bit. Uh, it's unclear if, if they're going to wave Chris Paul and then bring him right back on a, on a, on a uh, smaller deal, but let's just assume that they wave him and it is a, traditional wave where he's going to go elsewhere. The worst possible spots are hard to, to gauge because I think that he is just not going to command a massive contract. And so when you're looking at Chris Paul and what he brings to the table, both on the court and off the court, 
and it's not going to cost you a pretty penny, it's hard to say, hey, that was a bad move. If I had to pick some bad moves, uh, Atlanta, like if, if Atlanta wants to keep Young and Murray together and they're not going to trade one of them, you know, this was this summer, bringing in Chris Paul to that is pretty weird because I, I don't think, as much as I think that he'll take a, a cheaper contract, I don't know that he'll take a bench spot. So like a starting lineup of all three of them is pretty weird. Uh, same scenario for Cleveland. Like like Cleveland having to start Mitchell Garland and Chris Paul, it would be awkward and weird. Uh, and then Philadelphia. Uh, not only the, the James Harden aspect of it, like was that beef real? Are they still beefing? Or was that more kind of narrative driven? But also even if Chris Paul... Um, and James Harden come back, you know, we're to sign together. You'd have Chris Paul, Harden, and Maxi. If Harden leaves to go to Houston, though, and you have Chris Paul, Maxi, and Bede, uh, and the rest of that roster, maybe that changes the the option a bit. Some teams that I love for Chris Paul, I love Boston. I think that that would be his best chance to go win a ring. And if you just want a ring chase and um and get that championship, I think Boston would be the spot to go do it in. Chicago, I think, is in desperate need of a point guard. I think Washington is in need of a point guard and also just some help in terms of like a veteran. Same thing with Orlando. Like, look, Orlando, they have a ton of guards and they've got to, they've got to sift through, like sift through which ones that they want and which ones that they don't want and who they're going to move on from. But forgetting about the logjam at guard and just putting into perspective what we've seen Chris Paul do for young guards in this league, specifically firsthand here in Oklahoma City, uh, I think that if you're Orlando, you've got to explore that option if, if Chris Paul's willing. To, to kind of come in and, and help you kind of mentor these young guards. That'd be a fascinating spot for him. Uh, Memphis, he covers for John Morant, you know, in the sense of he's going to be the starting point guard. John Morant's going to be suspended X amount of games. And then whenever Jaw comes back, Chris Paul slides back down to a, a bench spot if he's ready for that. Um, and then... You save his legs, keep him healthy, and in the postseason, you have Jaw, you have Chris Paul always on the floor at some, you know, at, at, at uh, every moment, and helps your team go try to be a championship contender. Uh, and also the off the floor stuff that, that that Chris Paul would help with Jaw would be great as well. Not sure that that'd work out in actuality, uh, though. So we'll see. But those are some bad fits and some good fits. But again, it's it's hard to call anything a terrible fit when we're discussing um, Chris Paul coming up. Who will be the second best player for the Thunder next season? Will it be Jalen Williams? Will it be Chet Holmgren? Will it be our good, good pal, Josh Giddy? Who will it be? We'll talk about that coming up on today's show, as well as many, 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 many more of your mailbag questions. But first, I want to tell you right now about our good friends over at eBay Motors. Go there right now. eBay Motors is great. You should check them out because you know that just like building a championship team, you need the right fit and eBay motors will get you that right fit for your vehicle. Every part has to fit just right. So the next time that you need a part and accessory for your car, follow up with eBay motors with the guaranteed fit. They'll be sure to have the part you need the first time around. You can add it to my garage, get the green check that you're looking for, that the part will fit or your money back. Because just like in sports, confidence is the name of the game. When you shop at eBay motors, And with over 122 million parts to choose from, you can get back in the game in no time. After all, it's easy and it'll bring you home a winner whenever you go there right now with the eBay guaranteed fit only available to U.S. customers, eligible items only, and exclusions apply. Check it out today at eBay Motors. 
We're back on the Lockdown Thunder Podcast, on the Lockdown Podcast Network, your team every day. Thank you so much for making us your first listen every single morning, every single day. We're here for you, talking Thunder basketball. We've got it all for you on today's show. We are talking about your mailbag questions. Also, we're in the midst of our NBA draft dash to the to the draft, and so we'll have a podcast for you Monday through Friday and Saturday and Sunday as well, all seven days from now through the draft, talking about the Thunder, the draft, and everything else, including your mailbag questions. So this one from Chef, uh, or Chef. Who will be the second best player on the Thunder next season? Jalen Williams, Chet Holmgren, or Josh Giddy? The NBA playoffs are right around the corner, and Locked On NBA is here daily to keep you caught up with all the late season drama. Every Monday, Jackson Gatlin rounds up the three biggest stories around the league, helping to break down the NBA playoffs. Mark your calendars to listen to Locked On NBA every Monday to be up to date. Locked On NBA, available on YouTube and wherever you get podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. I would have to rank them. And I will say that this is going to be a good problem to have. It's going to be a good problem to have the debate of who is number two, who's number three, who's number four between all these guys. Obviously, Shea is the undisputed number one. But I would say next year, Jalen Williams is number uh, you know number two behind Shea. I think that his his game is more polished and will be helped dramatically even by the impact and gravity that Chet Holmgren has, and of course he's impacted and, and helped by the gravity that SGA has. Uh, and then I, I put Chet behind J Dub because it typically takes big men a little bit longer to adjust to the NBA, and he's coming off of the injury and. The, who knows what the workload looks like, back-to-back, load management, all that stuff. Who knows what happens there um, with Chet Holmgren. So I'll put him behind J-Dub. And then you have Josh Giddy. Like I think that Josh Giddy would be um, a fantastic player next year and will develop next year and will um, help the Thunder a lot next year. Uh, but there's just, there's just other things that J-Dub and Chet provide. But again, this is, I mean, on this team, being number four is not a knock on this very, very young team. Uh, Oklahoma and Oklahoma and Caleb asks top five front offices in the NBA. To me, it's OKC and Miami one, two doesn't really matter who you put one, who you put two. Uh, I personally put OKC one, but that would be called a Homer pick. So just do with that what you will. Uh, Utah, I think has to be up there now that they have Danny Ainge. I, I really respect and like what Danny Ainge is able to do uh, building rosters. I'll say Milwaukee, Toronto, other names that should be included on this list. Uh, I, I cannot stress enough. I think Washington is going to be in this conversation sooner than later. Um, once they kind of get things rolling in this rebuild and, and kind of get their bearings under them as a new regime, as a new front office. So cannot um, undersell Washington either, but this is a hard list to make obviously. Um, but that's just kind of where my head goes immediately. Um, at SSN underscore OKC Thunder chances of Draymond Green and OKC. Very, very, very low. Uh, you don't want to say zero whenever you're dealing with Sam Presti because Sam Presti, uh, is going to be able to pull a rabbit out of the hat and surprise you, but very, very, very low. Number one, and first and foremost, he's not the right vibe for OKC. Like I, I think that the Thunder don't need a guy like Draymond Green in that locker room. But even on the floor, this isn't to discredit Draymond Green. It's the fact that the Thunder don't have the pieces to maximize his skill set. Like When you look at Draymond Green, you are 
first of all, there are people that already yell that this team is undersized. But also, you're, you're looking at him, and, and oftentimes when you watch him, you're screaming at your television that he's setting moving screens and getting shooters open. Uh, we can we can debate the moving screens thing all day long. I don't like to fall on that kind of cop out most of the time. But nonetheless, his his whole thing is playmaking, setting screens, getting shooters open that you just don't have in place right now uh, at this moment. So where then it just kind of crams up your offense, in my opinion. So I just, I don't think it's a good fit on the court or off the court. So I would say very, 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 very low. At Real Travion, he has a couple trades. First trade, would you trade pick 12 and give the Jazz back their 24 pick for pick nine? And would you trade pick 12 or, and or, would you trade pick, I guess just or, would you trade pick 12 for 10 and get back um, Berton's contract for doing it? So yes, I would do both. I love that Jazz trade. I think that, that Jazz trade is pretty seamless. I really like what it what it is for OKC. I think that it gets you a, a, a bit of a new tier of player and you can't take four players in the next draft anyway. And for the for the Jazz, sure, you might fall back a little bit too much for your liking in the draft, but you gain that flexibility um, to, to have your pick, even if it falls out of the top 10, if you start to surprise people again next year. For the Dallas trade, um, it's only two spots for OKC, and you might be saying, well, why would we do this for just two spots? I think that the Bretons contract is not that bad. Like, It's bad for a team like Dallas, who, who is strapped for cap space and, and still trying to improve their roster. For a team like OKC, they're going to do something with this cap space. And it's not going to be signed a massive free agent, you wouldn't guess, but they're not going to let this resource go to waste. And so of all the quote-unquote bad contracts you can take back, I think that Bertans not only has a role to play like a Sarich and Muscala did, but also uh, when you look at the at the language in his contract for next season, it's it's super easy and manageable to move on from. So I, I think that there's just no downside for OKC. Now, would that be enough of an appeal to Dallas? Who knows? Um, but I would do both of them if I was OKC. Real Trevion also asked, is Amani Bates an OKC guy and favorite restaurants in OKC? Quickly on Amani Bates. Off the floor, I'm not sure. Like I, I haven't talked to Monty Bates uh, or, or know anything about him off the floor uh, besides what's been reported about him. Uh, that's more of a conversation for Sam pressing them to have behind closed doors as they interviewed him, as they worked him out, all that good stuff. Uh, on the floor, he has a ton of bad habits that are not OKC Thunder play style, but the Thunder could afford to take him, you know, pick 50 if he's on the board or 37, even if you wanted to get crazy um, and, and, and just stash him in the G League and, and work out those bad habits if they wanted to. But I wouldn't bet on him being a, a guy of the Thunder draft just because I think that 37, it's too rich and uh, you, you have better value on the board. And then at pick 50, he might not be there. And if anyone, you know, and, and then who knows what you talk about then, but I just wouldn't bet on it working out with money Bates. Uh, favorite restaurants in OKC because I'm from Kentucky. Uh, I, I love uh, Clark crew barbecue. We went there, me, Daniel Bell, uh, Joe Mazzato and Clemente Almanza went there. Fantastic spot. It was my first time being there. Fantastic spot. Fantastic food. Uh, I also love Hideaway Pizza and, and the Jones. So that'd be my recommendations. You can also hear from others on Twitter about what they think. Uh, but there you go. At the underscore Hansard, who would be Presti's boomer bust guy in this draft? So Kulabale could be considered that, but I just, you can go back and listen to Monday's draft profile on him. I don't think that there's bust potential there. So I, I wouldn't say him. I think that the two names would be Nick Smith Jr. and Gigi Jackson. Nick Smith Jr. for some reason is, is attached to OKC a lot in mock drafts. Don't really know why, 
but he's attached to them a lot in mock drafts, had a really good high school career, uh, you know, suffered injuries and stuff in, at Arkansas that kind of hindered his college career. But he's a guy who could just boom and like the high school stuff was real. He just was hurt and in an awkward scenario in, in Arkansas and couldn't show it. He also could just not be worth a 12th overall pick. Same with Gigi Jackson. Like Gigi Jackson, for it seemed like OKC, yes, it'd be the sticker shock of like doing it at 12. The night of the draft would be just eye-popping and jaw-dropping and and, and and conniption-inducing for most people on Twitter. But when you stay, take a step back, the Thunder have the ability to slow play him. They have the investment in the G League um, and, and the investment in into development to where they can afford to practically have him be a non-factor this year and just play in the G League 90% of the time and work out some of those bad habits that he has on the floor and see where he goes from there because he could be a very, very, very good player. So those would be the two like realistic boomer bust names that I could give you. Uh, at Enigmamatics six thoughts on City Sissoko. So circling back, Ebony TM loves Sissoko. I also love Sissoko. Really good playmaking, really good ball handling to run the floor in transition with six 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 ten wingspan. Uh, he is huge in person. We can watch the like, night team play uh, in person. Really good cutter. Really good defender. Uh, I think he can be really good in the dunker spot and on pick and rolls as a roll man even as a ball handler, maybe. And I like his upside as a catch and shoot shooter. He was pretty good at that, despite the overall percentages not being good from three overall. We'll get into him a lot more in the coming days before the draft, but I, I do like him. I really, really do. And then last one before the break, Rashid Daboy, would you extend Pokashevsky for 20 million over the next three years? So yes, if I was the Thunder, I would totally do that. If I was Sam Presti, um, I would be happy if he would sign that because that's going to be nothing, like literally nothing as the cap continues to go up with expansion, with media rights, et cetera. It's going to be literally nothing. 20 million over three years, it'd be nothing. But this is what I wrote about um, on Thunder Sentations about the Poku extension eligible summer that he's going to enter into here in a couple of weeks. The reason I don't see there being a contract extension for Poku is that it's just the worst timing possible. I think that the Thunder like Poku. I think that they want to continue to develop him, want to see what they have in him, uh, and, and they like what he brought to the table before his injury as a connective player who played more under control and you know scrapped the whole unicorn stuff, just what he is as a player, as a, as a rotational piece. I think that they like that. However, the Thunder typically do not let guys hit restricted free agency. He hasn't really done enough to warrant a, a good-sized contract, uh, and, and they have a roster crunch coming up. So even though I think that the Thunder like him and want to continue to develop him, why would Poku take this deal? Like, if you're Poku, why would you take this extension when you could just bet on yourself and, and see if you can uh, garner more money? Because $20 million over three years in, in NBA money, in, in the NBA world, is nothing. In the real-life world, it is a ton of money. But in the NBA world, it is, it's not going to be anything to where if you're pokey, you just much rather, I think, put on yourself and, and see what you can do this, this summer. But again, Thunder full of surprises. Coming up, if you could spend a day with a Thunder player, who would it be and why? Would the Thunder consider trading Josh Giddy? Where should Rust end his career? And again, someone asked about my favorite albums of all time. That's all coming up on today's show. But first, I want to tell you right now about our good friends over at bird dogs folks i am wearing bird dogs right now they are comfortable 
They are versatile. They are fantastic. It sounds a lot like the Thunder, doesn't it? They, they build this versatile uh, apparel that is convenient to, to, to wear and to, and to experience both when you're talking about going to a business meeting, you can wear these bird dog shorts and look appropriate. You can go play basketball. They're flexible and comfortable there. Um, playing basketball in these bird dog shorts and everything in between. So check them out today because when you do and you go to birddogs.com slash locked in NBA or just enter the code locked in NBA, you're going to get a free Yeti style tumbler with every order. That's birddogs.com slash locked in NBA for that free Yeti style tumbler. You will not want to take off your bird dogs. We promise you because they are so fantastic, so comfortable, so versatile, so good. Check it out today. Birddogs.com slash locked on NBA. The NBA playoffs are right around the corner and locked on NBA is here daily to keep you caught up with all the late season drama. Every Monday, Jackson Gatlin rounds up the three biggest stories around the league, helping to break down the NBA playoffs. Mark your calendars to listen to Locked On NBA every Monday to be up to date. Locked On NBA, available on YouTube and wherever you get podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. We're back on the Locked On Thunder Podcast, on the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. At Call Me Clop 35 if you could spend a day with a Thunder player, who would it be and why? What would you do? So... If we're talking about spending a day with a Thunder player and we're looking at it through the scope of going to make content, going to gonna podcast, going to write articles, going to tweet, going to TikTok, going to be entertained and make, make, contact, make content for the people, it'd be J-Dub. Like J-Dub, J-Dub far away would be, the, would be the pick there for like making content and, and doing stuff of that nature. If we're talking strictly just hanging out and just chilling, no cameras, no, 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 nothing. Like we just are just truly hanging out for a day and moving on with our lives. And, and we can't talk about it afterward. Uh, it'd be, it'd be Kenny hustle. Uh, the, the vibe that you get from him is relaxed, is cool. Talking behind the scenes uh, is been awesome. And, and everything about Kenny hustle is just cool and laid back. I'd love to watch some college football, watch some TCU with them. It'd be cool uh, out there with Kenny hustle. So there's your answer. Both, both ways. At SSN underscore New Jersey, could Giddy be traded this offseason? And what would be the return? I don't see a world in which Josh Giddy is traded uh, this offseason. I think that the Thunder love him too much. He loves it being here too much. And there's just no return out there for Josh Giddy this, this summer. I, I don't know that the Thunder are in position right now to make a huge splash. But going back with Josh Giddy at M20 Workman, what are some realistic expectations for Josh Giddy next season and beyond? Could he be what people wanted Ben Simmons to be? I don't like the Ben Simmons comp because Ben Simmons, like for as much as he is just, you know, dogged on right now, uh, right or wrong in his peak in what his peak could have been. He was an elite defender who could defend one through five and just shut down teams and was explosive, was athletic, was just yamming on people. Like Ben Simmons is probably the furthest comp from Josh Giddy besides the playmaking stuff and being big. Uh, the, the comp that I've used has been Jason Kidd. Like if you want to think about the 1% uh, ceiling would be Jason Kidd. I think that what you're hoping for Josh Giddy would be like, you know, he's probably just below a max player. He's one of the better playmakers, one of the best playmakers in the NBA. Uh, he can kind of fit in defensively and becomes a league average shooter. 
Uh, that, that's kind of what you're looking for uh, with Josh Giddy. Obviously, he's already an elite re- rebounder for his position, which is great. Um, but yeah, Ben Simmons just does not. It doesn't do it for me on the comp for for Josh Giddy at Bubba um, Check. Where would you want to see Russ finish his career? Obviously, sign a one-day deal with OKC, or even sign a Udonis Haslam contract in OKC. But I don't think that Russ would ever want to be a Udonis Haslam guy, where he's hardly ever playing and just being a mentor. I think he'd rather just coach at that point. Um, but non-OKC teams, Washington. It seems like he really loved Washington. It, it seems like he really fit in Washington, uh, and then it seems like he really fits in in with the Clippers. And then circling back to the Chris Paul thing. Maybe Russ fits that too, where he mentors draw on and off the floor, more more relatable play style on the floor, and of course can help him off the floor, uh, and of course can help Memphis in the meantime while Jaw's suspended. So maybe that could work. I don't know, but good question. At Clemafu, would you package twelve and thirty-seven for eight? Would I do it? Sure. Would Sam Pressy do it? Sure. Would they do it? No. <laughs> thirty-seven and twelve is not enough for pick eight. Uh, at Mond ten ten. What do you think of Scoot and any chance OKC gets him? I do not think that there's a chance OKC gets to pick three, which is what you have to get to at a minimum. I really think you need to get to pick 10. I mean, I'm sorry, pick two to get Scoot. I wish it was pick 10, but pick two to get Scoot. I I, I think that this is all like a Jabari Smith smokescreen with Charlotte. Uh, like we all thought Jabari was going to go to Orlando, uh, but I love Scoot. I think that people are overthinking this. Scoot is and should be the second player in this draft. Uh, and, and 90% of draft classes, he'd be the first player, uh, if not 95% of draft classes, 97% of draft classes, whatever you want to put on it, he'd be the first player drafted. Uh, he is an elite player, elite athlete, elite culture setter, elite teammate, just an awesome player. And I think that he has better shooting ability than he showed. I think that he has better off-ball ability on offense than he showed. I love Scoot. I love Scoot. And if somehow Sam Presti pulled that off, I would be dancing. I'd be dancing at the Thunder practice facility watching the draft. Uh, at Ben Glover, Clippers, 24 pick and 12 for pick eight. I would do that. Uh, obviously, that is the more appealing pick, I think, of all of them because it's unprotected and because you can talk yourself into maybe things go off the rails in LA. Obviously, the Houston pick would be the most appealing, but you have to worry that, like, what if they just totally bottom out again, which I don't think is that likely that they fall in the bottom four, but they might have good enough odds to jump into the bottom four. So, yeah, it's one of their more lucrative picks in 24, in my opinion. But for pick eight, sure. I mean, you again, you can't take all four next year anyway. Uh, does Eamon being born one minute later factor into the draft decision-making? No, but you do want all the data you can have. At Josh O'Fish. You a Flayafish fan, maybe. I'm not, but maybe you are. What would it take to get five and ten? An, an unrealistic three-team trade is what it would take to get five and ten. Three-team trade. Three team trades typically don't happen. They most often I think happen on draft night, but I, I don't see a pathway for it. Although it would be very fun. Uh, I don't see a pathway for it uh, at Charles Cohen. Should OKC get Christoph's Porzingis? I can see the appeal to want Christoph's Porzingis, but I just keep having this feeling that like the Thunder view Chet as a center, the Thunder don't want to rush into anything. And like the, the, the hardest thing to get right is that, four or five pairing down low. And you don't want to make that four or five pairing decision when it might get complicated, like a Kristaps, like a, you know, insert traditional big man here. Not that Kristaps is not a unicorn, but like, you know, like, like, you know, a a big, big, big man here, like Walker and Hendricks to me don't count. Like 
a big, big, big man next to Chet. I don't think you want to do that yet. I think that you want to hold off on that. Um, same reason why you didn't take Jalen Duran uh, last year. So I would also say, look at Dallas. Like Dallas had that that success with Luca. They could tell he was going to be a special player, and then they just plowed through that wall and traded everything to New York for Porzingis. It didn't end up working as a pairing, and now people are already, already questioning Luca's future in Dallas. So like it can happen, boom, on a dime. Like so, I just I wouldn't love that to just jump in right now. I can see the appeal for it though. I can see the appeal for it. And if they did it, we would be, we would be getting reckless with our preseason predictions for what that pairing and what that team uh, could be, depending on what the, what the, what the package would look like uh, at Thunder talk. YT Chris Paul, OKC. I don't think that this will happen. I don't think that there's going to be a, re- a reunion or anything like that for the Thunder and Chris Paul in the cards, but we know that Chris Paul appreciated his time in OKC and the Thunder appreciate him. So I wouldn't say a 0% chance, but I don't think that it's likely. And then the last question at Cameron 79, favorite album of all time. I can't give you one album. I'll give you six, but let's count it as five. So just pick one of American Beauty and Working Man's Dead by the Grateful Dead. Put that one, number one. Ziggy Stardust and the Spiders from Mars, number two by David Bowie. Uh, Total Entertainment Forever by Father John Misty, number three. Sergeant Pepper's Lonely Heart Club, Club Band by The Beatles, number four. Dark Side of the Moon, Pink Floyd, number five. Let me know what your top five albums are in the comments on YouTube and on Twitter at Ryland underscore Styles. And until tomorrow, be good and be good to one another. Hey, Prime members. You can listen to this Locked On podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today.